we are rolling now. Check. Check. Penis, penis, penis. <laughs> I wonder how long we could just dick around for, for one of these intros. Probably quite a while if we wanted to. A good 20 minutes. Some guy's on, like, the Sky Train, but it's, like, packed and he can't reach his, like, forward button. So he's like, God damn it. When are they going to get to it? Get to the business. That'd be kind of awesome, actually. Should we do it? Just put that on a loop for 20 minutes so we don't actually have to record it. We'll do it like that episode where you went to the washroom and I put like this magical, like, weird ethereal sound. I remember the magical pee. I was thinking about it the other day, actually. <laughs> that was really funny. That's one of the only episodes I've ever listened to of our podcast. Not the one with the screaming goat. Oh, no, I've listened to that one. I actually found that the other day. I was like, what is this? Clicked on it and it came up. <laughs> uh-uh. It got me laughing. <laughs> All right, Latif, what are we talking about today? Well, well, I guess there should be a spoiler thing, because we're going to briefly talk about the Joker yeah. film yeah. that came out, mm-hmm. and we'll from there we'll talk about the whole like coverage on Martin Scorsese, um, basically bitch-slapping Marvel movies. Yeah, and everyone's saying freaking that they're not out. cinema. I was looking at like an article someone posted and then you just go to the comment section mm-hmm. and it's just like two guys, two grown-ass men just fighting about this. And I was like, this is amazing. It's outrage culture, man. It's yeah. the world we live in. It's like this huge paragraph about, of this guy like trying to like explain the story of like one of the Captain America movies and how important it was to him. And okay. this other guy was just basically like doing the opposite and talking about how dumb it was. And I was like, this is amazing. What did they say? Oh, this one guy was like, you know, the one guy, you got to triumph over bad things. And <laughs> Sounds like every Marvel movie to me. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. So, <laughs> Were you the other guy? No, I wasn't. I don't want to get involved in that shit. It's like a war zone, man. Oh, it is. It is. It absolutely is. I do have opinions on it, but I'm not like... Because yeah. I think automatically everyone's going to assume that I'm on Scorsese's side because I like his movies. But mm-hmm. I have, you know, a different approach on it just because I think it's a, it is a little alarming. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll get to that after the Joker. First, Joker. Did you see it by yourself or did you go with someone? Uh, I, yeah, I went with someone. What did they think of it? Oh, they loved it. They thought it was great. Yeah? We went to a... I went to the opening night screening, so it was on the day. Yeah, so did I. Um, and it was a packed theater. Uh, so, you know, the experience was a little different, because, like, there's just lined up people ready to watch this, mm-hmm. and by the time the movie ended in our theater, people were clapping. Really? Yeah. And I was like, okay. You were, you were not one of them? No, I, I... No, no. It was... It's very rare that I would clap for a movie in a theater anyways. What's the last... Can you remember any time you have? Maybe when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. I remember the first Transformers came out in, in... Oh, you clapped for Transformers? It was in like Santa Monica. I'd never seen a movie in a theater like that. It was packed and everyone's like... You know, Bumblebee came out and everyone's like, Whoa! And I was like, Okay! <laughs> That's a car. <laughs> I had no idea what, what I was watching. It was very exciting, though. 
I now want to see you as, you know, uh, like in The Price is Right, when they reveal the showcase and they have one of those girls that just like raises her arm as if to display it. I want to see you do that once because I just picture you so unenthusiastic, like the doors open and you're just like, you know? I like projectile vomit on the audience. <laughs> <laughs> this is a yellow car. <laughs> this is a camo car now. Um, yeah, uh, that was maybe one. And I don't think I clapped out of excitement, out of peer pressure, because everyone was doing it. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to be the odd man out. Um, yeah, but it was very well received in the theater I was in at least. Yeah, same here. Yeah, um, there's a lot of things about it that were interesting. If you had a... I don't know, go top three of the things you found most interesting. What they, what would they be? Hmm. Oh, maybe some of the... the story points like the choices on where it took the story I thought was um, a little unexpected which I liked like which kind of well this is a major spoiler so spoiler if you, if you haven't seen it this is basically a pivotal point at the end of the movie mm. <laughs> okay so I'm gonna say a secret word and make a weird sound so if you hear this word throughout the episode don't listen it's or just stop now and go watch the movie and then come back. True. Secret word is banana leaf. That's an awesome secret word. Okay, so, um, you know, at the end of the movie, he shoots uh, De Niro in the face. In the face. And I was like, wow, that's pretty unexpected. <laughs> they went there. Because um, they kind of set it up to do something different. But, you know, uh, I didn't see it. Well, I never see things coming. I'm never like ahead of the game I'm mm. pretty I'm pretty dumb with did you see the the twist coming where uh, all the time that he spent with the girl was all in his head no I didn't see that coming really no I was just like okay and when it happened I was like okay <laughs> that <laughs> one didn't, didn't rock you to your core no it didn't blow me away it's, it, um, it just made me think more about like this guy's state of mind more than mm. anything but I wasn't like oh my god she doesn't like you <laughs> why wouldn't she you're amazing <laughs> have you seen your face um, <laughs> no it was just more like oh okay that was an interesting little thing because it didn't seem like they had this like amazing relationship it just seemed very kind of like normal mm. like but you, you get to think about him and you're like yeah he's kind of creepy so yeah big time uh I guess the third thing that might be a little interesting is his uh, relationship to Batman. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if they made that up. I, I have no idea. What the they, they changed it a little yeah. bit. I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if it's true. It's never confirmed. It's kind of mm-hmm. inferred through things. Yeah. But that, I thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe totally. Go, oh, I, um, I was listening to a Todd Phillips interview, and he was like, "The interviewer was like, have you?" read the theories online about it he's like no and i'm not going to but he's like what what's the one you're talking about and i guess there's a theory going on out there where he's not the actual joker he's just the guy that influences the joker later on mm. and todd phillips was like you know it's interesting you say that because they had a test screening for just other filmmakers mm-hmm. and uh, he's like someone i really respect came up to me and asked if that's the case if that's what it is he's like so you know, other people think it as well. And that's something that never even came into my mind. Would you have thought of that? 
No, no, that never occurred to me. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. I like to think that he is the Joker because he killed it, and I want to see that guy do more Joker stuff. Yeah, I mean, he was a very uh, unique performer in general. So when he uh, immediately before I even saw anything about the movie, I was like, oh. Joaquin Phoenix is going to play the Joker. I'm like, okay, well, here's the one guy that might live up to the expectation of what people want from the Joker. Totally. I remember when it got announced, I was like, say no more. Like, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, I'm there. I don't care who directs it, who writes it, I'm mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Pretty pretty solid casting choice. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so what was, your, what was your favorite thing about the movie? Um, well, I'm... My favorite scene was at the end when he does the smile with his blood from his bleeding mouth when he's on top of the cop car. That was like the imagery of that and his smile and the blood smile and everything was just like perfect to me. That scene could go on for like 45 minutes and I would just love the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the really underrated things I think about it though was the music in it I thought was really, really good. When it kicked into the 80s rock songs, I was like, okay. You know, that's, it works, it's not bad. But the original music in it, like the score, I mm. thought was really, really good. I dug that a lot. What did you think of it? I never felt like it stood out or was distracting either, so that was good. Mm. Um, sounds, it seems like they did a lot of interesting sound design stuff too. Um, underneath and just adding layers. That was also a little... Uh, creepy but the, you know even the scene on the subway when the the lights kept going on and off mm-hmm. i don't think that's super common yeah um and it was definitely more a stylistic choice there but it, that was also very interesting mm-hmm. um because that scene the they it never really seems like they're trying to make him seem creepy because at mm-hmm. some point during that scene you're kind of like a little worried for him maybe yeah but, totally um but in in a way, it kind of flips itself, and and there's like a weird, uh, atmospheric like thing going on where it might show like two sides of someone. Just seeing them like every time the light goes on and off, and it's kind of sitting there laughing. You might get glimpses glimpses of like um, this person like just kind of like going over the edge a little, mm-hmm. especially when they start to get like violent with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the sound the sound design and everything is very interesting mm. um, it would be something you have to watch again to get really like get the sense of but it, it was very sonically like unsettling at times mm-hmm. yeah totally I don't want to like I don't think we should get into what we didn't like about it because uh, if anything I mean but what what was I guess what was your favorite scene out of the whole thing uh, it was probably that scene where he's like in his apartment and he's got the gun and he starts dancing mm-hmm. and like kind of like talking to someone else that he's making up and he like shoots the wall for some reason. And the mom freaks out. Yeah, and he just turns up the TV really loud. I was like, there's something relatable about that, <laughs> but also something very like <laughs> disturbing about it too. <laughs> because what he mimes through his actions is also a little weird. Uh, but it was, I don't know, it was really spontaneous and kind of like, that's something you can't write. That's just mm. like, you just gotta let someone go. <laughs> and they come up with it. But it's so interesting and satisfying to see them mm. do that. 
Um, I think there's a mix of like you gotta let them do it, but then you build on top of it. It was just a very fun scene for me. Yeah, totally. Um, one thing I found really interesting was after he kills those three dudes on the subway, mm. and he locks himself in that like public washroom. Starts dancing. Yeah, the dancing. I was like, I did not see this coming, but mm. it fits so well. And usually, like if something like that were to happen in a movie, I'd be like, this is so dumb. When is he gonna stop dancing? <laughs> but I thought that like. It said everything mm. to me, and just that was the first time he had felt free in the movie. Mm. He was just kind of loving it. I was like, "This is awesome and creepy and off-putting, and I want more of it." And I never say that about dancing, but this is awesome. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I think especially when he, when he kind of just stops and stands in front of the mirror and looks at himself. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like you start to maybe understand what it's about I mean it might not make sense and everyone's gonna put it together their own way but I almost felt like as afraid and like kind of terrified he was after that moment and he locks himself in the washroom and then he just starts dancing it's almost like he started to feel almost uh, empowered oh yeah absolutely and then his dancing is like this weird way of showing that because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not necessarily what you imagine as someone who's like feeling like they're on top of the world um well i guess that's not the right way to put it but dancing in the way he was it was very like in a weird way like sexual but like yeah um personal so when he was done doing that thing it was like okay it was a very weird way to show but also a weird situation to show that kind of um excitement but mm. it was very appropriate maybe yeah uh, what did you think of the writing in the movie? Because like, after I saw it, I've read a decent amount of things about it. And it's strange. Some people say like the writing was amazing, it was really good. And then uh, some other people will say the writing was very okay, but it was the acting that brought it up to the level that it was at. What's your take on that? Oh, you know what? It's weird because it's a specific actor that... I think brings so much more. I think it's Joaquin Phoenix because I, mm-hmm. I recently, one of my favorite films with him is The Master, with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. and I I remember reading the script for that movie and a lot of it is pretty close, but there's a lot of stuff that's improvised slightly and and adjusted, um, and seeing um, the actor kind of bring those moments to the movie, you kind of you kind of have to like give a little bit to both because it requires the right scenario for someone to do it but I, I do think a lot of what the actor does brings that extra bit that really makes you love something mm-hmm. so it's really hard to just give it to the writer um, but it, it's kind of two-handed it's got to be a bit of both because um, you know even even like with the Coen Brothers script it's it's exactly as it's written what you're seeing but the actor still has to kind of make it work mm-hmm. so it's, it's a bit of both but I do say his acting definitely brought like an extra element to it that you can't really get yeah yeah that's pretty fair I mean I thought that the the writing must have been very specific I actually have a an older draft of the Joker script I can send it to you if you'd like um, I've only read probably a dozen pages but it was quite a bit different than 
what you saw in the finished movie, but I think like in order, I definitely don't disagree. Joaquin Phoenix killed it, and he brought it to a whole other level. Mm-hmm. But you know, everything he did was based on the foundation that is the script, right? So yeah, like you said, to totally disclude one or the other is unjust. And I'm sure another actor, like, if I was to play that role, it would have been like, uh, this movie's not that good. <laughs> but since Joaquin Phoenix is a god, of course, he brought it to that whole other level. Yeah, but, you know, it's a hard thing to even, like, think about, because, like, you're not looking at the writing when you're watching the movie. You're watching the movie. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really make sense to be like... I don't think it 100% makes sense to be like, oh, is the writing good? Because you're watching a movie, you're not reading the script. Mm-hmm. It's it's completely different. Like once the movie's shot and you're watching that, you you can't really talk about whether the writing is good unless you've read the script. Yeah, I know some people. I have some buddies that saw it and they did not care for it whatsoever. They didn't like it at all. No, like everybody that watched it two days ago, I saw him last night, and he was just like, let. As soon as I saw him, he came up to me, he put one arm around me, and he was like, let's talk about how amazingly okay Joker was. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, I'm on the opposite side of the coin on this one. I really liked it. <laughs> and I could, I could kind of see what would maybe put people off about it. Like, it's very, very slow. Mm. And I remember while I was watching, thinking, okay, this is a really slow movie, but it, it's all going to be about the payoff, and if the payoff rewards how slow it was. And for me, it really did. But if you didn't dig the ending and you don't really dig slow movies, then I could see someone not really liking it. Okay. Breakover. Breakover. I don't think anyone's going to know there's a break. <laughs> well, I mean, you could totally cut it out if you wanted to. True. Um, yeah, we're just finishing the, the talk about the Joker. Um, yeah, I think I remember when I was in the theater, right at the end, people started clapping at yeah. the end of the movie, and I was like, I was I was glad that it, people enjoyed it, and I thought it was a pretty good movie. But it also made me go, "Of course you'd clap. All you watch is bullshit." <laughs> so when something half decent shows up, you're like, "Oh my god, a movie!" Because you know, you, you, when you get the same shit over and over again, and it's slightly different, it makes you go, "Oh, things can be good." But it's not so different that they're like turned off by it. They're kind mm-hmm. of. They're engaged enough because it's something kind of familiar. Yeah. But it's... It's still a comic book movie. Yeah, but it's it's served slightly differently. So people Mm -hmm. are like, wow, you know, that was was a little different. It's a little more edge to it. Mm -hmm. It's quite tasty. Um, But, you know, say say it wasn't an iconic character. You take away all the, the history and we don't recognize the person. Take all the makeup away. That theater wouldn't be half as full. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. There'd be very few people clapping. A lot of people may be like, what the fuck was that? Yep. But yep. you put the, the name and the face and all that together, and people swarm to the theater. So, yeah. really, it's just about the, uh, the character. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, that people go in the first place. But in reality, the thing that really moves you is what happens, not the person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it made me happy that you know you finally get a maybe a slice of something different but a little sad and that it's probably not going to change what you normally eat yeah if that makes sense that's fair um so there's a good and bad side to it for me uh, i'm still trying to figure out what it all means in my head so mm. yeah that was my initial reaction when it ended 
No, that's cool. Another interesting thing, like you said, there'd be half the amount of people in the theater, which is absolutely true. But another thing that is true as well is the budget of that movie would have been maybe a tenth of what it was Mm -hmm. if it wasn't the Joker. Like, keep everything else. Joaquin Phoenix, Todd Phillips writing. They would not... I I think it's like $70 million budget or something. Yeah, they'd probably get like... A million or two. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like... Joke in Phoenix? Who's that? Yeah. What's this movie about? A crazy guy? That's stupid. No one wants that. <laughs> Another taxi driver? Didn't we already do that? <laughs> it's like, no way, man. <laughs> De Niro? Gross. It's like, what? Uh, so yeah, I think that's an interesting segue into our, our next thing, which I'll let you kick off, because I think you've mentally digested it a bit more than I have. Yeah, well, if if you're... If you're a film lover or person, you've probably exposed to some article about Scorsese just like bitching about uh, Marvel movies. Yeah, he said they're not cinema. Yeah, and and you know half the world is like fuck you, Martin, stop being old. <laughs> and then the other half is like he's right, <laughs> screw you, carnival movies. Uh, so there's two sides to the coin, but I think if you approach it in like this is this or that is that and, and you're like one-sided about it you're, you might be missing mm-hmm. the bigger point and stuff like that yeah because not everyone is gonna have a taste for the uh, comic book universe films not totally. everyone does I guess some people like to go to movies for more subversive work that really like makes you think yeah. some people don't some people like to go for purely for entertainment totally and I mean like I'm, I'll be the first to say I like Marvel movies but before Endgame came out, I looked at every Marvel movie that had come out, like starting with Iron Man, nothing before that or whatever. Um, and I only like like half those movies. Mm-hmm. You know? So I can kind of understand both of them. It's like when people say, you know, Marvel movies, they have a formula, they stick to it. Those people are right for the most part. There's a couple of them where I'd be like, okay, it doesn't stick that formula, but 90% of them... You don't really need to watch the movie to know what's going to happen. Yeah, you can predict the outcome. Yeah. I think the issue that he's trying to get across, maybe it, maybe not in the same way, or this is where I'm coming from, is like ultimately what's happening in the movie business is what happens naturally in most businesses in general. Mm-hmm. Um, when you play a game long enough, the people who win the most ultimately only get to play the game and the people who don't get squeezed out of competition mm-hmm. until they don't exist anymore. Um, so you basically squeeze out the middle and that that's no longer part of the game. Yeah. And it's not happened. you know. It's not like that's what it is now, but it slowly moves to that direction mm-hmm. where the more money you make, the more opportunity you get to make films. Yeah. Um, and it becomes almost like a... A meritocracy. Meritocracy. I don't think I've ever heard that word. What is it? Well, basically, it rewards the people who, who are winning. Okay. Um, and if you're not winning, then you get nothing. Yeah, but ultimately, ultimately, it's saying like if you're winning, then you get to keep winning. But if you're not, then you're a loser. Hmm. But great films don't make a lot of money sometimes yeah. and I think they should still get made mm-hmm. um, you know it's famously some of my favorite movies are not 
box office winners, but if we only let people who get lots of money in the end to keep working, then what are we really doing? Because mm-hmm. I think cinema ultimately, in a big way, is an art form. Yeah. Oh, if, absolutely. And if you just relegate it to being a business and everyone's like, you know, that movie didn't make money. Mm-hmm. So only the stuff that makes money should go. Then all you have is the type of films that Scorsese is talking about. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, not everyone is going to want to watch those movies. Yeah. And if like a majority of people are like, yo, but we love these movies, fuck all that other shit. Then what does it become? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're only only limiting it to like a certain kind of movie, um, you're kind of depriving people of like something essential. Especially when, when we talk about society today, like movies are a huge part of everyone's life. Like oh people, yeah, from Netflix to theaters, like it's everywhere. You yeah. can't escape it. So if you're saying then we can only have these things play in theaters, it, it really does change the game in a big way. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, like movies for a lot of people are a way into any kind of art form it's in the education in a way but if you deprive it of anything like a little deeper with more um thinking required to decode what you're seeing then uh you're not going to quite get that from the superhero films yeah i think what he's trying to say too on a certain level is just movies that are that easily digestible aren't cinema like you should be i think what he's saying is you should have some questions left out in the open that you're there to decode yourself, not just be like, here's the answer to everything, good guy wins at the end. Which, you know, it's a valid point on either side if you believe or don't believe that, but I think it's it's worth at least thinking about for a second. Yeah, like I really didn't like that last Avengers movie. Endgame? Yeah. Sorry, did or did not? Didn't. No? How come? At all. Even that the ending was just like... It just gives you everything. I was mm-hmm. like, ugh. I don't like this at all. Um, it was like the worst thing that you could do for for someone like me. Because mm-hmm. it didn't make me think about everything. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, they don't make that movie for, for my kind of brain anyways. Um, trying to say you're better than us, Latif? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to say. I am saying. Oh, I, I am. I can't work in this America cross to see like what <laughs> who is this dipshit yeah. um, people are like listening to this episode this guy had a robot say a word that he's too dumb to say and then he shit on my favorite movie <laughs> and then he shit on my favorite movie <laughs> fuck that guy <laughs> oh, that's gonna it's gonna be a good one um yeah it, it's 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 definitely something that I do find a little bit of like um, if you look at, uh, we were talking about this earlier, but like who are the big companies right now? Yeah, Disney. Disney, and, and they own the rights to like just a huge amount, like from Star Wars. Pretty much to, everything now. Yeah, Marvel to Star Wars, and they're gonna have a streaming yeah. network. Soon. Yeah, they have the Simpsons. Like, yeah. Well, with the Fox merger, they have. Yeah. Everything. Honestly, I was kind of surprised. Do you know anything about anti-monopoly laws in the states? Yeah. Yeah, like, so basically it's, you can't be a monopoly in the States. Capitalism is built on competition. That's, without competition, you don't have capitalism, yeah. right? Um, so there's laws to... Amazon. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it 10 years, it's going to be bad. Um, but there are laws there to say, to keep monopolies out. And when it was announced that Disney was buying Fox, I was like, there's a chance that this might not happen. Like, the Supreme Court might be like, you can't do this. 
Because Disney's got to be, if you look at the dollar figure of movies, at least 50% now. Mm-hmm. At least. Because they, yeah, like I said, Star Wars. Um, Star Wars. I mean, Simpsons, not theatrical, but makes a shitload of money. Star yeah. Wars, Marvel. Um, well, all the, the original Disney films, like the animated films, yep. that's all there. Probably, totally. So. They even own Search Fox Searchlight now. Yeah. But you know the studio that all they did was make movies no one else was gonna make. Like Disney a, owns that now. <laughs> yeah. Like how are they gonna navigate that? I don't know. They're gonna shut it down for sure. <laughs> yeah. So when when companies like that get as big as they do, mm-hmm. um, and you only have like certain filmmakers that are able to make films because they make films that make a lot of money mm-hmm. um there's like the you know obviously disney then there's filmmakers like james cameron who makes arguably the biggest films yeah. you know, from avatar to titanic stuff like that mm-hmm. where it just makes a ridiculous amount of money but a lot of people go to see them mm-hmm. um but he is in a way kind of an auteur he, he makes oh absolutely whatever the hell he wants yeah. with his vision like purely on on screen at the end mm. and christopher nolan would be another example yeah um but then there's filmmakers who are kind of like in that middle that we're talking about and they're gonna get either squeezed to the bottom where yeah. they don't exist anymore or squeezed into a higher um rank where they have to maybe adjust the kind of movies they make yeah but some of my favorite filmmakers play in that in that kind medium of range yeah yeah I mean, there's a big argument to be said that it's already gone. I don't think it's gone, but yeah. it's it's significantly smaller than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know that in business historically, that's what that's what happens to a lot of you know the industry. I mean, if you look at like um, you know even like retail stores, mm-hmm. eventually it's the biggest. Um, companies that stay in the game yeah like you just mentioned amazon 10 years yeah (laughs) just wait because you know before online shopping you'd think about companies like walmart and Mm -mm. i don't know macy's and in canada like stuff like zellers or sears yeah and then you take it back another 20 years it was all mom and pop and walmart came in and killed all of them yeah yeah Um, and by the end of it where we're at now the top companies are mostly online companies but mm-hmm. even the ones that have actual stores there are the few that are able to play the game so and they're like, shrinking too yeah like it it's harder and harder for them and amazon would kind of be like what uh, a disney would be they're the, oh yeah the biggest mm-hmm. in the game and they have unlimited resources to whatever the hell they want yep and no one's gonna be able to compete with them yep um and ironically, Amazon is making movies, too. Totally. <laughs> but in a weird way, they make kind of weird... Smaller. I was going to say, they actually make pretty good movies most of the time, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they can afford to, to make whatever the hell they want without worrying about it. Yeah. Jeff Bezos has $25 trillion. Yeah. And Woody Allen makes all his movies with Amazon Studios, I think. Actually. Oh, does he? Yeah, all his recent ones are mm. Amazon releases. But um, it's ultimately, like, if, if we're looking at it from that standpoint, we, you might have to really... Um, be picky about uh, what you go see, see in theaters now. Yeah. Um, as as like a film lover, if you want to go watch a movie, because I can, you're not going to have a lot of options out there. Yeah. You'll just be like, I got to watch it on Netflix or something. Totally. Which is not bad, but you know, I don't want to see. Um, my favorite filmmakers only on you know TV. I want to watch the movies in the yeah. theater. Yeah, I was going to ask you your opinion on that actually, because 
there's like Christopher Nolan is really notorious in saying like I want my movies in theaters it's how they're meant to be experienced yeah. and I've always been like I understand it I didn't buy into it as much as he seemed to be passionate for it you know mm-hmm. until the other day um, I was watching Full Metal or not Full Metal Jacket Apocalypse Now yeah and an Amazon package arrived at my house. <laughs> it was a, a screen protector for my phone. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to install this. Um, but I couldn't do it in the living room. So I went to my bedroom. There's like a, a little desk shelf thing that would be easy to do it there. And I was like, I'll just continue watching Apocalypse Now on my computer. Yeah. I put it on the computer and there was so much information in every frame that I was like finding myself staring at it and being like, I can't watch this on yeah. this small of a screen. So I think I've kind of, I don't want to say I've come to the other side and to, to the Christopher Nolan thought of like only cinema, but I definitely think there are movies now where it's like, you, you're going to want to see it on that big screen. And I'm not someone that dislikes going to theaters. I love going to the theaters and seeing movies in there, so I'm not knocking it whatsoever. But I kind of see the argument, it's more valid in my mind now than before. Where do you stand on that? I I really encourage people to go see movies in theaters, especially of films they like. <laughs> I almost encourage you to see it more than once now. Mm. Almost as like a petition, because <laughs> you gotta go, you gotta go and support the movies. Because like, well, I, sorry. Aside from like the financial gain from the movie, I'm just talking straight your experience <clears throat> with the movie and how you see the image. Uh, nothing financial. Oh, you mean on a big screen? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's totally necessary. There's, yeah. there's like something that you just can't get. Um, I went and saw Ad Astra a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, I don't want to talk about how I feel about the movie right now. No, it's totally. take too long. But I do remember this one shot of um, a spaceship approaching Neptune. Mm-hmm. And it's like this big blue planet. And you see it on this big screen. And it kind of just casts the whole theater in this blue. Mm-hmm. And it creates this really weird feeling. And I, and I was, for a moment, like, wow. I imagine the details you probably saw within the planet, like the micro-details, would be something you'd probably miss if you were watching it on a computer, too. Like, it would kind of just look like a blue circle, more or less. Yeah. It, it's like, it takes something that big to, for it to be that big to really have an effect on you, too, though. Because, mm-hmm. like, they're showing, like, this, you know, this giant blue planet that you don't get to ever normally experience that way. And you're seeing it in a theater, this dark, blacked-out room. It's projected in this giant screen. The amount of light coming off that big projection is way more than off of your computer or your phone. So mm-hmm. automatically, that's already giving you more light. Yeah. And you experience it so differently. And I was like, you know, that's something I can't get from a home experience, regardless mm-hmm. of how big my you know, big screen is. Like, You just can't replicate that um, unless we're all millionaires and have theaters. One day. Which we don't. No, we um, do not. So, you know, that's why you go there. And I'm like, if you if you take that experience away, then, you know, how are you going to enjoy science fiction films, I, which I feel like play so well in movie theaters? Mm. So do you think it's kind of genre-dependent, what you would say is necessary to see in a theater? Like, if it's a rom-com, you should you'd be like, <laughs> wait for Netflix on that one. <laughs> well... It's hard for me to just define it to genre because, like, I'm not seeing a rom com in general like no, that. No, totally. Unless it's like date night and you're going like, let's go watch yeah. this fucking I, Justin Timberlake movie. No, yeah, I, I mean more in the sense of like, 
you you picture a science fiction like you said um that one shot like spaceship flying to neptune yeah you can just kind of picture in your head the scale of it and the amount of detail and whatnot Mm -hmm. where if i was like picture any scene from a rom-com you're probably not going to miss many details but, transitioning to a smaller screen yeah, yeah but it but it isn't even just about like the screen there because like say for example like you're watching i don't know midnight in paris mm-hmm. uh, then it's like a, a scene with owen wilson and it's just yeah. like hilarious and there's a theater full of people who are like totally in in that moment and they think no it's one's hilarious. on their phone and they're all laughing and they're like, oh, this yeah. is just, you know, it's, it's even better with all the people. Yeah. That's not something you can get when you're just sitting in a house. That's true. Because, like, when, when something really funny comes on and it, it hits you in a weird way, you're like, oh, this is great. Because yeah. everyone's like, they kind of get it. People yeah. are on the same kind of, um, people are resonating in the same way in terms of, like, what's funny to them. It's like this kind of moment you don't no- normally get. Because um, everyone's going to have a different experience with comedy, but... When you have it together communally, it's mm. so it's so crazy because yeah. you're just like you're happy that everyone's laughing and you're laughing and it's not something you can get when you're not in a theater. So I don't think it's just space movies that need to play in theaters, but mm. there are some things that if you don't experience them in that way, you you are kind of missing something. Yeah. Well, the Joker is a great example. It's oh yeah, absolutely. The movie and laughing mm-hmm. together. It's like you can't get that when you're just alone in your room. Yeah. Um, but I do love watching movies alone in my room. So do I. Yeah, um, big fan. But I, I would, I would hate to not have the the movie experience. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. There's also like the immersion, the audio immersion you get in a theater as well. Like that's kind of. And my parents have had like surround sound, um, kind of like basement. I don't want to say theater, but you know, like big TV surround sound. They, home, yeah, home theater. Yeah, like you're trying to replicate a theater just at your home, right? And it's great. Totally great. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't quite put you in the seat of a theater theater, you know? Yeah. But I guess it is the next best thing. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I... Because, like, people, they go to see the Marvel movies in the theaters in this big scale, Mm -hmm. which I think probably is the best way to watch those movies. Mm -hmm. But... There are filmmakers like um, Tarantino, um, Nolan, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, David Fincher. Those are all filmmakers who are kind of in that upper upper middle class. Oh yeah. Um, but even eventually, like they have to be pushed up or down to yeah. either you're playing in the streaming world or you get to play theatrically. Yeah. And. Um, and the Coen Brothers, obviously, too, which I love. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot. But, you know, th- those filmmakers all make films that are not, like, of the biggest budgets, but they're not, yeah. like, small budgets. Yeah. And eventually, it's like, where do those movies go? And I would hate to not have the opportunity to see those films in theaters. Because yeah. those are my favorite filmmakers. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a, a good way to wrap up the episode, too. Go to the damn theater. It's good, too, because I really like the amount of shutting off you do in a theater like phone obviously yeah but unless there's something really drastic going on in my life i pretty much like the outside world closes i don't think about work or whatever and it's just like let's have this two hours zone out and i don't know i guess it, it 
it's probably how you feel when you're like four years old and you're getting read a bedtime story you know yeah it's really nice imagine that though as a metaphor before we end like hmm. you're tucked in the room's tight like the room's dim and the night lights on hmm. you're all cozy you're like oh it's time for a bedtime story and your mom sits down and every two seconds she's like on Facebook and you're like fuck mom just read the fucking story <laughs> and she's poker like, in the eye whoa whoa wait 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 it's <laughs> kind of what it's like when you're not in the theater yeah totally totally <laughs> All right. All right. Well, this has been Filmcraft. It's brought to you by Pippa. It's P-I-P-P-A dot I-O podcast hosting service. That's cheap and awesome. Take care. Bye.